Today's episode is presented to you by Best You Mental Health Clinic. Best You is a practice that provides a compassionate space, uniquely treating each client based upon their individual needs to reach their goals. At Best You, we believe mental health is not a trend, it is a lifestyle. Best You Mental Health Clinic is currently accepting patients 16 and up, accepts all major insurances plus self-pay. If you would like more information, visit bestumhc.com. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the College Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith, and I'm going to start this episode off by sending a shout out to my Texas Rangers. You see the shirt I'm wearing if you're watching on YouTube. Just went up 1-0 on the Houston Astros in the ALCS. Game two is this afternoon. I am very much looking forward to that. I know I've got some Astros fans that watch. My apologies. Hey, may the best team win. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we have a seven-game series on our hands and everyone else from everywhere else. I know we got some Philly folks, that some of you Temple people, got your, Philly, got your Phillies in the mix still. So go ahead and leave it in the comments. What's your MLB team? Are they still in it? Are you even a baseball fan? If not, no worries. We'll keep it moving. On today's show, I'm going to briefly look at the New Year's Six race. Going to do a deeper dive into that on tomorrow's show. We're going to do our Monday mowdown of the American Athletic Conference, maybe with a couple Mountain West um, tidbits sprinkled in there. And that will be all. I've also got some announcements, kind of announcements, that I'm going to save for the end of the show if there's time. But outside of that, let's get into it. Um, Tulane has an opportunity to do something that's never been done in college football history. And that's what I'm going to lead with. But before I do, if you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share it with a friend, comment at the end. And if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please, please, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Let's get this thing up into the algorithm. One of the announcements I'm going to talk about more at the end is possibly changing the name of this podcast not the channel and not the entity college game time llc that's my business um, that i own that all my content is flooded through but i have a couple thoughts i'm going to share at the end so if you hang around then i'd love to get your feedback on that all right the new year's six race it's heating up as i said i'll discuss it more on tomorrow's show air force got a big win over wyoming man a Beautiful 57, 58 yard triple option, pitched it, back took it, hit the seam, touchdown for the go ahead uh, against Wyoming in the final two minutes of that game. It was like poetry in motion. Air Force is controlling their own destiny. Tulane is next in line as both came in in the AP top 25. Um, actually, I didn't write that in my notes, but I'm pretty sure it was... Air Force at 22 and Tulane at 23. There were also some others receiving votes. As I said, I will get into that more on tomorrow's show. But speaking of AP polls, uh, just recently released as of me recording this episode, the preseason basketball AP top 25 was announced. Now, this is a meaningless poll, just like when the preseason one is announced for football, because within the first two weeks of the season, it's completely blown up essentially, but the mid-major conference representation, okay, I don't want to call these teams mid-major, but the 
conference that they represent are considered mid-major conferences, which in my opinion, mid-major basketball is the best basketball in the country. I've talked about that before. I've learned a lot from watching mid-major basketball, especially whenever I was a coach at the high school and even middle school level. But uh, teams that came in from mid-major conferences, we had FAU in the top 10. FAU is currently ranked number 10 in the country, representing the American Conference. Gonzaga right behind them at number 11, representing the West Coast Conference. San Diego State um, at number 17. So that's both. Final two final four teams from a season ago, FAU and San Diego State, uh, SDSU representing the Mountain West Conference, St. Mary's in at number 23 representing the West Coast Conference, and then there were several others receiving votes, Memphis, Boise, College of Charleston, New Mexico, and Drake, and that wraps up the basketball top 25. That season's going to get going here in a couple of weeks. I am very excited about that, but right now we are right in the heart of football season, so let's talk football. Tulane. They can make history this year. And the table has been set after getting their big win against Memphis, which I'll I'll talk about more on this episode. But after getting that big win against Memphis, now the table's set. If they make a run and they win out, they need one domino to fall technically, which I think that domino will fall. And I'll dive more into that tomorrow. But that domino falls which is essentially Air Force losing, who, by the way, Air Force plays Navy this week, who, by the way, Navy is on a two-game winning streak, just got their second conference win of the season, their second shutout of the season, and they're actually playing really good ball defensively. But no matter how good or bad they're playing, anytime they play Air Force, it is going to be a dogfight. So Tulane fans, you are now Navy fans because if Navy beats Air Force this weekend and you win out, you will be the the G5 representative in the G5 or in the New Year Six Bowls. What Tulane could do if they were to win back-to-back New Year Six Bowls, that would be the first time that a team from a group of five conference won back-to-back New Year Six Bowls. You could even go back to the BCS era. You could go back to the Bowl Coalition era. You could go back to the Bowl Alliance era. I went and did some studies going back to 1991-92, which was when the Bowl Coalition era and then the Bowl Alliance era, and then we had the BCS era, and now we have the CFP era. And there were always in all of those different eras, there were a exclusive set of bowl games, which now it's evolved to where it's the New Year Six. At one point, I think it was four games. And then when they expanded in the CFP, it went to six games. And they added the Peach Bowl and Cotton Bowl. But I think there were actually some more back in the Bowl Coalition era. But either way, there has never been a team that comes from one of the group of five. And even though that hasn't always been a term, but basically a conference that's not the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12. If you go further back, right, that was the Southwest Conference and the Big Eight, and you had the Big East, you had the Pac, and then, of course, the Pac-12 as well. So not from one of those premier conferences has ever made it to one of those bowl games and won it two years in a row. Now, you've had some teams make it there two years in a row, okay? And that's what I was looking at in this interesting study, mainly in the BCS era, was when you had Utah representing the Mountain West in 2004. That was Urban Meyer's last season there before going to Florida when I think they beat Pitt in maybe the Fiesta Bowl. Boise uh, had the hook and ladder Statue of Liberty 
upset win over OU. And at this point in time, Boise was represent the WAC conference in 2006. Utah came back in in 2008. And I think this was uh, against Bama in the Sugar Bowl. Utah won, representing the Mountain West Conference. Uh, Coach Witt's first big-time bowl win. And I think their quarterback, Brad it wasn't Johnson, was it? I don't remember his last name, but I think he's the offensive coordinator for the Eagles now, Philadelphia. Am I right or wrong on that? If you're a Utah fan that happens to be watching, which I don't know why you would be, but let me know. Or if you're just a sports historian, like I proclaim to be. 2009, we had Boise and TCU facing off in the Fiesta Bowl, I believe it was. Boise was representing the WAC. TCU was representing the Mountain West. I remember watching that game. Defensive game, Boise ended up winning, but this was the closest a team had ever come to repeating or going back to back like Tulane has the opportunity to do this season because TCU the very next season went to the Rose Bowl when they upset Wisconsin. That was the Andy Dalton season. I think it came down to a two-point conversion that Wisconsin missed if I'm remembering correctly, and TCU won. So TCU was in there in 2009, and they lost to Boise, and then they were in there in 2010, and at this point in time, TCU was representing the Mountain West Conference. So that's the closest a team has ever come. 2013, obviously the first inaugural year for the American Athletic Conference. UCF ran the table uh, 13-1, beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl, and got that victory. So Tulane, man, you got an opportunity to do to to make history this season. And um, what a message that could send. You know, you look at a team like Tulane, you look at their history in the Conference USA, which was not good. You look at their history even in the American, which was not good. But in continuing to invest in the program, using the amount of resources that they've gotten in being a part of this conference compared to the Conference USA, Got an on-campus stadium, upgraded facilities. I mean, all sorts of amazing things they've been able to do. And then now you're starting to see the fruits of that on the field. Tremendous season last year, came out of nowhere, coming off of a 2-10 and 10 season. They go 12-2, and two, upset the Heisman Trophy winner in the Cotton Bowl and USC amazing comeback victory. And now they've positioned themselves where if they stay healthy, and they went out. I think they got a chance to be a repeat New Year's Six winner representing a G5 conference and will be the first team in college football history to do so. And listen, Tulane fans, you want to go Power Five? Like there's, I mean, that's a resume builder right there to a Power Five conference, whether you're talking the ACC, SEC, whoever, okay? I don't think Tulane should really entertain the pack if they look to rebuild and I know there was some stuff that came out over the weekend on that I'm not going to rabbit trail into it but that's a that's a strong resume there to be able to say look we're, we're the only team g5 team to ever go back to back in the new year six and I think uh <coughs> I missed one <coughs> I'm sorry in my notes here I just went from the bcs the Bull Alliance and Bull Coalition. I forgot, I didn't put the CFP, actual CFP era on here. There was another team that had a strong chance to go back to back, and that was UCF in 17-18. Um, went undefeated in 17, the Scott Frost, you know, 
pseudo national championship year for UCF representing the American. He goes to Nebraska. Heupel comes in, runs the table that season, and they get a matchup with LSU, Joe Burrow's LSU. In fact, they started off that game very well. And then, as some of y'all have seen the meme all over Twitter and social media where the dude from UCF kind of like stood over Joe Burrow and talked talked a little noise, let him let him know it. I think it was after Burrow had just thrown a pick six. It was like a 98-yard pick six. And uh, basically, from that point on, uh, that Joe Burrow LSU team never lost again. Uh, literally, from that moment, they ended up taking care of business in that Peach Bowl or Fiesta Bowl. I think it was a... Peach Bowl, maybe, or Fiesta. I don't, I don't remember which one it was. Then they went on to have that magical 2019 season, win the national championship. So forgive me. In, in the actual CFP era, which I did not put in here, the only other team that's had a chance to go back-to-back was UCF. So you had TCU in the BCS era, UCF in the CFP era, and now Tulane has an opportunity to do so. And what do both of those two teams that went to back-to-back New Year's Sixes or BCS games have in common. Both of them are now in a Power 5 conference. So getting back to the point I just made for Tulane, that's a strong resume builder. Okay, let's get to Week 7 action. Starting on Thursday night, we had SMU-ECU. This was a weird one for me to watch because this was when I was still in Vegas. In the time zone that I was in, this game started at 4.30 p.m. That was the weirdest thing, having a Thursday night college football game starting at 4.30 p.m. because of the time zone I was in. Uh, Here's what I want to say about this one. I'm keeping my eyes on SMU. SMU has still not played a complete game of football. They still have not played their best football, yet they're still winning. And they're winning games like they're supposed to win them, even without playing very well for four quarters. Um, I think we saw that with their offense on Thursday. I think we saw it a little bit against Charlotte. But this SMU team, if they continue to improve and get to where they will play four complete quarters of football, this is a team I'm keeping an eye on at possibly making a run in the American Conference. Their schedule plays out nicely for it. And... I mean, they took care of business against ECU, even though they, 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 I don't want to say they're playing bad football. It just seems sluggish. And I don't, I don't really know. I can't really put my finger on what it is. It just seems like they haven't put a full complete game together in all three phases. Cause I think if they do that, they got a shot. Now, of course they need, they need some things to fall. If you want to put them in the new year six conversation, but I definitely think it's fair right now to keep them in the AAC conversation as a team that could challenge uh, Tulane. And then ECU, man, ECU fans, if you're still tuning in, man, like, I don't, I I don't know. I don't know. Is is it, is it, have, is this season a lost cause at this point? Are y'all thinking about basketball, thinking about baseball, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, are you thinking about who's the next head coach going to be? Because that's what seems to be the chatter right now amongst the ECU fan base. I don't know what to expect from here on out. I don't know if they can dig out of this hole. I don't know if they can string some wins together. Or is it just like, let's just clean house, bring in a new regime, and start over. Which, in today's landscape, though, starting over doesn't have to be this two- to three-year process. You know, in some cases, it could be a one-year process. Or I should say three- to four-year process. It could be a one- to two-year process. 
Then we had on Friday night the game of the week for the American Conference, which was Tulane at Memphis. Uh, just talked about Tulane. Of course, they came in, um, had a little trouble establishing their identity early on in the game, but they kind of just, they didn't veer from who they are. They continued to stay the course, and Memphis eventually broke. Tulane ran away with it. I think they were down. They were down two possessions, I know, in the third quarter. And they just, they didn't get rattled. They, they, didn't, they didn't flinch. They stuck to who they are and eventually um, ended up winning comfortably. Uh, Memphis, on the other hand, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a team that's going to drop another couple of games down the stretch that they probably shouldn't. Uh, I just, it's like I said earlier this season, man, Memphis needs that killer instinct back. They, they just don't have it. I think one of the complaints from Memphis fans over the past few years is there seeming to be an inability to consistently finish games. And it reminds me a lot of the Brett Bielema era at Arkansas when it was like, man, they would get up on teams. They would get up on teams and sometimes teams they shouldn't have even been competitive with and then it was like the mid third fourth quarter roll around and the team just can't put it away and my opinion on that when you have a team who cannot finish games when you have a team that continuously loses in that fashion my opinion is there's just not enough fear in the locker room and that's what I call into question about this Memphis team is, is there fear? I mean, is there true accountability? Are guys scared to make a mistake? Like, what is the level of accountability in that locker room? And could that be correlated to Memphis's on-field product, not just against Tulane? I'm just saying in the last couple of seasons where they really have underachieved compared to what they were doing under, say, uh, Mike Norvell. The other thing I call into question with Memphis is their quarterback development. Is that quarterback position developing at the clip that it should be, or even at the clip that it was? And so if Memphis, I don't think it's, I don't think, it's fair to say they're going to be in the market for a new coach because Memphis could still go on to, I mean, technically Memphis could still win the conference, honestly. So it's not like it's just the end of the world. They'd have to run the table and I'd have to look at the layout and see what their path to the conference championship would be. But I mean, they could still have a great season. So I'm not like on here saying they're going to be in the market, but if they were to be, what Memphis has got to do is get back to what's made them successful. Um, in, in my opinion, they need to get someone that's, that's, that's going to bring accountability to the locker room and who can develop the quarterback position. That's just my two cents on Memphis. But like I said, there's still a lot of season to play. It's one conference game at the end of the day. Does it take them out of the New Year's Six race? Yeah, likely. But it doesn't take them out of the race to win the conference. So that's something that's important to remember. All right, I got I to gotta, I gotta keep it moving. We had uh, next on the docket at Temple at UNT. Temple was out. EJ Warren was without quarterback EJ Warner. And man, Temple, they don't look like they're taking steps forward week to week. Now, that's unfair probably to say as they were playing with their backup quarterback this week. Um, I thought in the first quarter, their run scheme, their run game looked as good as it's looked 
all season. Big shout out to North Texas because North Texas' defense made some adjustments um, and ended up playing pretty well that game. I know there's a lot of UNT fans that are very disgruntled with this 3-3-5 scheme. Part of that, I think you're going to have to give it some time. But, I mean, to be fair, they were getting gashed on Temple's first drive in the run game, and whatever adjustments they made, they, they were able to tighten up on that end and uh, hold Temple to, what, 14 points, I think it was? But the story of the game is this North Texas offense, man, with Chandler Rogers, Jamori Macklin. In fact, Jamori Macklin, I, I, I've tweeted at uh, David Smoke, shout out Smokey and the 365 guys, who once had me on, a, uh, you know, I was on the guest on their show month and a half ago but you know david smoke is a bolitnikoff award voter so i tweeted at him i said i hope you got your eyes on jamori macklin at unt for that bolitnikoff and he responded on twitter he just put a little emoji so you have to go look if you want to see what that is go to at i'm trey smith but he's making a case man this jamori macklin and then chandler rogers i mean he's been lights out since he's taken over that spot full time and i think there's a lot to be excited about with UNT, especially if they can keep these guys on the roster and keep them from looking for greener pastures at season's end. Now, as far as this season is concerned, you know, what's the, what's the ceiling? I, you know, I still think bowl eligibility is a very good possibility for North Texas, and I think that would be a very big statement in Coach Eric Morris's first year. They've got a five-game stretch here, though, where, like, they're going to have to win a game or two. But what's crazy is that... The momentum and the confidence they're going to have coming off of this Temple game might carry them to winning a game or two that they should not win here down the stretch. Hopefully UNT can at least be uh, five and six going into that last game of the season against UAB at Dak Koo, I believe. And that would be for bowl eligibility. Now, they could, they could already be bowl eligible by that point, depending on how these next few weeks go. But that's just something to keep an eye on. Keeping it moving. Navy, it's Charlotte. Uh, listen, I said it earlier. Navy's got a chance to be the party crasher for Air Force. They've got a two-game winning streak going. They've had two shutouts. Their offense still looks kind of stagnant, but, man, that defense has really shown up. And, I mean, even against North, this explosive North Texas offense, uh, Navy's defense really did a great job against them. They shut out Charlotte. Charlotte, I don't know, man. It feels like it's an identity crisis. It feels like they're regressing offensively week in and week out. I'm not so sure that, that we're going to see much more out of them this season, but we'll see. There's still a back half of the season to be played. Let's see how much fight. Let's see how much grit. And let's see what this coaching staff, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, can do to put these kids in a better position to be successful. Um, but yeah, Navy. Uh, Coach Brian Newberry, man, he, he's got a chance to have these guys bowl eligible in his first season. And that's a big feat considering that the past three years for Navy, they've been, you know, a three or four win team. FAU at USF, man. Wow. Wow. FAU beat the brakes off USF. Uh, backup quarterback, now starting quarterback since Casey Thompson went down. Daniel Richardson looked fantastic. That offense was clicking on all cylinders. They get their, they're getting their athletes in space. They're getting them the ball to make plays. Defensively, they look great. <clears throat> I mean, the, the dark horse FAU team that people were projecting in the preseason, we're starting to see. They are in the hunt. 
for the American Athletic Conference. Now, we'll see. They got a big one coming up this weekend, but um, man, excellent, excellent showing against USF. And then from USF's perspective, man, I think it's just they kind of come back to reality now. Um, obviously, we were talking to them, talking. I was talking about them a couple of weeks ago. As are they are they a contender in the conference this season? Like, what's their ceiling? Eight to ten wins. I think they're coming back to reality. There's a reality check. So the question then becomes, what is that reality for USF? Well, it's this. You won four games over the previous three seasons, and you were in excellent position to be bowl eligible in Alex Golish's first year. I mean, for a guy to take over a program that's only won four games in the previous three seasons and to make a bowl game in the first season, that's that USF fans should be doing cartwheels for that. And I get it. There's, there might be some disappointment. First off, you don't want to get pounded by an incoming team like FAU, who's in your same state. But at the same time, look at the big picture here. And you have three very, very winnable games coming up. You've got UConn, Temple, and Charlotte. If you win those three games down the stretch, you're in a bowl game. And then, of course, you have Memphis and UTSA on the road. I don't expect UCF to win those, but or USF to win those. But, I mean, USF has also won some games earlier this year, and they've competed in some games this year that uh, we didn't expect them to, to show that well. So I still think this is a bowl-eligible team, and I think even if they go 6-6 six and six and get into the toilet bowl this year, that's still a massive step in the right direction for this program. And then finally, <clears throat> UAB at UTSA. <sighs> Listen, man, this is the UTSA team we've been waiting on. This is, the, this is the UTSA team that we have been expecting to see, that we were projecting to compete for the conference in the preseason. I mean, this is a, this is a UTSA team that was picked to finish second in the conference, compete for the conference championship, Lost a lot, a little steam in how they opened the season. They had the close loss to Houston. Then they barely scraped by against Texas State, which Texas State's a good team, but barely scraped by to Texas State. Then they got, you know, kind of got it handed to them by Army, get it handed to them by Tennessee, which I don't think really surprised anybody. But since then, man, they've really turned a corner. And as we're getting into conference play here, <coughs> Excuse me, UTSA is starting to look like that team that we were anticipating in preseason. And don't count them out. They could go on a run here. And if they keep playing like they played this past weekend where it all came together, all three phases, their offense and defense were both clicking. You're coming up against a UAB team who's been improving week after week. Just had a big win against USF. And they, they handled them. And they handled them pretty good. So I think what UTSA is going to have to do down the stretch here is stay healthy. <coughs> if UTSA can stay healthy, this is a team that could potentially compete for the conference championship. Now, from a New Year's Six standpoint, they're out of that. So it's kind of a catch-22 as someone who's covering the conference. If you want the conference in the New Year's Six, you need Tulane to win it. But... I'm just not ready to count a team like UTSA out. I mean, I still think UTSA, I think SMU, and I think Tulane. Um, we'll see if FAU, like how they follow up 
this this beating they put on USF. But I, I think we're starting to see who's who's going to be in the hunt. But as far as the New Year's Six is concerned, there's really only one team I think can realistically make that. And then as far as UAB, you know, since Louisiana, I felt like each week they've made a big step forward. And this was the first time since Louisiana where it really felt like they regressed a little bit. Don't really know why or what it was. Can't really put my finger on it. If you're a UAB fan, I'd love to know your thoughts. Like what was it that seemed to, to go the other direction in this game? Was it just a better team that they were faced against? Um, you know, I mean, I, I felt like they had more fight in, in, com, in, in competitive edge against Georgia than they did against UTSA. And so I don't know what it, what it was. I don't know if it was schematically. I don't know if it was mindset, but this, this does seem like the first time this UAB team is taking a step back in the last several weeks since that Louisiana, when it just seemed like they were taking a step forward, taking a step forward, taking a step forward, got the big win. And then it was like, so they get comfortable. Did they win that game last week and go, ah, yeah, we've arrived and get lax or what? Love to know your thoughts on that. Well, I think I'm well over time or I'm getting close to being over time. Remember tomorrow we're going to dive into the new Year's six race, but uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on anything I discussed. Love to know your thoughts on the week seven action. Oh, and the thing I also was going to talk about at the end, possibly changing the name of the podcast. I'll just save that for tomorrow. All right. Um, no, I'll just tell you right now. I'm, I'm considering changing the name of this podcast to the college underdogs podcast instead of college game time podcast it'd still be presented by college game time because college game time is the platform that i own right college game time llc it would be the umbrella that this podcast would fall under but i feel like the college underdogs podcast college underdogs like fits what i what i'm covering right these underdog conferences but i'd like to know your thoughts on that and uh till tomorrow that's it for me today trey smith college game time